The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now we're off to Sweden today where we've got Peter George and Peter George is the MD of Alicanto. Code is AQI or Alpha Quebec India. Last traded at 11 cents for a market cap of around 42 million. Now Alicanto is all about Sweden, some exciting developments uh, for the company last year and it looks like 2022 shaping up for a big one. So we won't mess around with this one today, but I'll say g'day, Peter. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. Good to hear you again. Good. Now, the big change last year was the pickup of the Salah uh, project early last year. Uh, let's do a bit of scene setting and just give, before jumping into some of the recent results and the uh, plans for the project moving forward, just give people a bit of a scene setter, a bit of history uh, and background to the project. Yeah, thanks, Barry. Look, Sala was a historically very significant project for Sweden. Uh, Its history goes back all the way to the 1500s and it was a project that was really coveted by a number of kings over many years um, and was really part of the, I guess, the the economic development of of Sweden as a country. Um, Very high grade, um, average grade of 1,244 grams per tonne silver, um, but there's also a lot of uh, zinc and lead in the mine, which was never really spoken about, but it's sort of really coming to the fore in more recent times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we, we picked the project up really only in this time last year, so I've had it for 12 months. Um, on a bit of a hunch that it was uh, there was an awful lot left there to find. Uh, and I think that with uh, what we're doing in uh, really in the last 12 months, and especially in the last probably four months, it's really starting to open our eyes with regards to a lot of the material that was left behind. And I guess if you, if you put into context, the mine was only ever, they only ever mined 5 million tonnes to pull out 200 million ounces of silver at those very high grades that I mentioned before. But it was also only ever mined down to 290 metres, which I mean, we've got open pits that go deeper than that mm. nowadays. Um, and as we've been looking further and further into the into the ground, I guess you could say, uh, we can really see that um, you know this has got all the, the hallmarks of a world class system, um, you know, with mineralisation spread over three kilometres in in length and and uh, one point five kilometres in width. Um, you know, with we, and to the extent now where we're even starting to find the copper and gold as part of the scan system itself, which is really super exciting for us. Yeah, why did uh, mining uh, cease back in the what was it nineteen oh eight or nineteen? 19- yeah, yeah, well, I guess it was probably around the start of the First World War. Um, mm-hmm. That was when it stopped for the for the the Sala mine itself. I'm concentrating on the on the silver. There's been a couple of fits and starts, I suppose, around the zinc, uh, going back into the 60s, where the Brunas mine, um, you know, a few hundred meters to the to the northeast, they they mined some very high grade zinc out of that. Um, but I think they, you know, they just believed that. And I guess you go back into the early 1900s with pumping technology and all, and all those sorts of things. 290 meters was sort of getting to be a bit of a deeper mine. 
mm. during that period. And I think they believed that, um, it, yeah, it was cut off at depth and they'd mined everything that was, was meant to be mined. So mm. but I think you, you also, you know, you put that into the context of there's really only three main players um, within Sweden on, the, on a mining sense um, today where you've got LKB, the, the big state-owned mine that focus on the iron ore projects up in the north. You've got Bull Eden, who focus predominantly around the Shaleftio field and and the and uh, the Garpenberry mine, which is only 50 kilometres away, and Lundin, which uh, focuses on the, the Zinkgruven mine, which is about 100, about 200 kilometres away from, from where mm. we are, well, also within the Berry Slog. And so they really don't have the, the, the junior type of... Um, I guess you could say exploration junior focus like what we have on the ASX in Sweden. So for you know some of the smaller companies to get a project like Asala up and running, it's, it's quite difficult. Yeah. Okay. Now you've uh, indicated earlier um, in uh, correspondence uh, immense potential. Um, and so, what drilling and uh, sampling have you done to date that uh, kind of confirms that uh, that's that's the way this project is going for you? Yeah, so like I said, we picked up the project in uh, January, February of last year. We we put together a, a smallish drilling program of about four thousand meters initially, just to test some some theories that we had that um, you know things were still still going on in that part of the world. But at the same time, when we were drilling, we also um, did a lot of uh, I guess you could say desktop research into the project uh, and and deep, digging down into the archives and we've been very fortunate to actually discover about 15,000 metres worth of um, drilling um, in and around a, an ore body or a mineralisation called the Prince which sits just to the south of, um, of Sala, actually, they actually intersect each other. Um, where Bull Eden had drilled out a, a small resource, well, not, not even a small resource because it was never published, but a, a small mineralisation, I guess you could say, down to around about that same 250-metre level, um, and which we saw a lot, an awful lot of potential in. So I think we, as we started to drill and we focused in on that particular area, we realised that there was an opportunity quite early to actually get our maiden resource um in that particular area around prints so you know we all up i think from last year through to about now it's been about fourteen thousand meters of our own drilling i've right. got three drill rigs spinning um, plus the fifteen thousand meters of drilling that we picked up historically uh for, for nothing um you know and we've we've been putting out some um, you know spectacular intersections including uh, you know 87 meters at 5.3 percent zinc and i think 40 grams per ton silver and some you know, and also hitting some spectacular silver grades um over six and a half thousand grams per ton silver um, yeah. and even zinc up over up over 41 percent zinc so you know as i guess the trick now which is what we've been working on over the last I guess the last three, four months is just really trying to stitch it all together to, sh to show all of our investors that, you know, these are not just sporadic holes that aren't linked to each other, but there is the potential there for a, for a quite a large um, maiden resource. Yeah. And you flagged a maiden resource is not too far off now. Yeah, no, we have been working extremely hard towards uh, getting that uh, maiden resource up. Um, we had made the commitment of getting that out by the in the first quarter um we are still on track with that i guess the only watch it at this stage is that we're actually still hitting significant mineralization in every hole so we're still trying to figure out when we're going to cut off that um 
that date for putting together our, our maiden resource. But I, mm. I, hopefully I can get some updates on to the market quite soon with regards to that. Right, okay. Now you're uh, nicely funded for this uh, this push at sale. I think you raised $7 million in a capital raise and there was a sale of a, uh, a secondary South uh, American gold asset recently. Yeah, that's right. We... Um, did that, that capital raise uh, gee, was in November, December last year. I'm losing track of time. Um, but that, uh, yeah, we did the $7 million. We still had $7.2 million in the bank at the end of December. Uh, we've just raised, uh, sorry, we just got paid $750,000 Aussie um, for that project that was only last week, uh, plus, plus hopefully more to come when they reach some milestones. So I think that you know we're around that seven to seven and a half million dollars in the bank if I was going to guess um, today, mm-hmm. which is quite healthy for you know a company with only a market capitalization of about forty million dollars, and that'll that'll keep us going for most of the year, I imagine. Yep, and uh, that sale of the uh, South American asset, uh, the gold asset, that was that was concluded recently. Yes, correct. So. Um, yeah, like I said, so that money, yeah, the first part of that money came in last week, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully once we make some more milestones into the into the near future, there'll be some other opportunities for for the benefit of our uh, the benefit of our shareholders. Now, um, you've got um, three drilling rigs wearing away, but um, and we're leading into the maiden resource estimate. But are you reporting on you know if you come up with something spectacular and they generally are spectacular in this part of the region, it seems. Well, how are you handling it? You're holding them back and roll them into the, the maiden, come out with that figure, or report as you go? Um, that's a bit of a loaded question, that one. But look, our, our focus, there, focus area for the maiden resource initially has been around prints, uh, mostly because you know, that's where we had all of the... I guess the, the free drilling that we got uh, last year, the 15,000 metres worth, um, there is significant amount of that also that sits outside of that particular target area. I think what we've also learnt in the last couple of months, which is really quite important for us, is, is we're really dealing with several different types of mineralisation at Sala now. So the, the Prince itself is a, a strata-bound sphalerite dominant zinc-lead silver mineralisation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been testing the extents of that and at depth, and it's still open. Um, but what we've also realised is that you know we're, we've got the classic Sala Galena silver dominated mineralisation, which we really haven't been focusing on until you know we've sort of started to turn our drill rigs around, having a bit of a look at those now. Um, and we believe, obviously, the Sala itself, but we strongly believe that Sala itself um, continues to the northwest. Um, so we're, you know, testing a couple of our theories there. We've also got some theories that there may well be repeats of Sala heading down to the, the southwest and potentially to the northeast as well. Then we've also discovered a third type of uh, mineralisation being the intrusion proximal massive pyroxene with strong sphalerite mineralisation where we've seen some very high-grade zinc at surface, you know, over 10% zinc and uh, also 118 grams per tonne silver at the glass workings. So, and, uh, and then I guess on top of that, we've also got the gold and copper that's starting to, to show up in, in some of our grab sampling and some of our historical drilling as well. So we, no doubt there'll be a third, sorry, a fourth style of mineralisation that we've got there. So I guess, that, that, you know, to, to cut a long, long answer to your question short, but, you know, we're, the focus has been around prints, but, you know, we are now realising that there is a, a lot more than just prints there. So, you know, I, I expect to that we'll start to get some some good results out of uh, drilling outside of prints as we move forward. 
Okay. Um, I'm thinking that uh, the strata-bound uh, sphalerite, is that, um, does that show up on magnetics making, or modern-day uh, geophysics? Uh, short answer, yes. So, okay. you know, we're, so making we things still easier? Deve- we're still developing our techniques in that particular regard, but uh, you know, there is a definite difference in the, in the magnetics uh, and the... Um, as compared to the background, especially the, the limestone dolomite's quite, you know, benign, as you can imagine. So, um, you know, we're, we're testing every hole as we go. Yeah, okay. And, well, modern-day geophysics obviously wasn't available back in the turn of the cent- uh, last century. Um, so, yeah. mm, okay, interesting. But I think yeah, on top of that, the, um, the just the ability to pull sort of, uh, you know, 100 years' worth of information together for the first time in a computer package um has been extremely powerful for us to be able to work out the geology and the structures and and uh, it's really starting to, to that combined with the geophysics is really starting to drive our, our drilling campaigns going forward mm. uh, understandably uh solo is very much the focus but uh, followers of the stock will remember a great Falon or Falun mm. about 100 k's away what's happening there yeah, so, yeah, like you said, so the focus is definitely on, on Sala, the uh, Greater Falun Project itself, and we haven't stopped. We've still been a lot of field work over there during the uh, during the summer months. So obviously, we're now high, uh, well into the winter months. We've got a few geophysics programs over there as well. I hope to be able to get some news out on on how, you know, where we're headed with, uh, with Falun in the coming months. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think it would be good to uh, remind investors... Uh, who don't know a lot about the uh, mining industry in Sweden, as you said, dominated by uh, three or four large groups, some state-owned. But just give us a reminder about the infrastructure available and the, you know, the the general attitude of uh, the authorities there to mining. Yeah. So infrastructure-wise, look, it's it's fantastic. I mean, I've operated. I mean, I lived in Sweden for seven years, six years. Um, managed a couple of the big projects up there. So it's it's all. You know, tier one. It's a tier one mining jurisdiction, just like Australia. You know, the the roads, they're, they're all you know, bitumenised. You know, the high speed rail. I've got you know deep sea ports. I've got high speed internet running through my project. I've got um, you know cheap. Well, not at the moment because Europe's unfortunately the power prices are going through the roof. But um, you know, we've got relatively cheap uh, hydro power mm-hmm. um, within the region as well. So I think you know. If you look at it from that perspective, you know, not having to build really anything except for um, uh, the mine itself once we eventually get to that stage. So I think from an infrastructure perspective, look, I don't think I could get a better situation than what we've got there. As far as the, the um, I guess, the, the attitude towards mining um, from the authorities in Sweden, I mean, that's been a little bit tougher um, up to probably the last six to nine months. Um, I think... You know, Sweden's not dissimilar to Europe in many ways. In well, given that it is part of Europe, but the, the, not dissimilar to the rest of Europe in that they've spent a lot of there's been a lot of a push to um, you know take mining away and you know and not have it in their backyard, so to speak. Um, but I'm seeing a real shift, like I said, in the last nine months, um, both in the in the social media as well as uh, commentary back from from politicians and, and and the like, where 
I think they're realizing that they, you know, they don't want to be beholden to others for their supply of materials, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, especially the battery mineral space, which includes includes the silver. But I mean, even things like uh, zinc, you know, they've just been put onto the critical minerals list, critical medicals list in the US. So I expect that that's probably not too far away in Europe as well, or in Sweden. Um, but you know, just the the attitude I also think of of the population is really shifting now where people realize that you know mining is a global um exercise it's you know just because you don't necessarily have a mine in your backyard you know we still need metals to to build everything that we want to build and you know the granification of the of the networks around the around the world so you know the attitude is really changing to the point of well, you know, if we're going to have if we're going to have exploration projects and mining, then we really should have them in our backyard where we can hold mining companies and executives to the highest environmental standards possible. And I think that's really starting to show, like I said, in a, in a lot of the conversations that I'm having around the place. So I'm actually really um, you know encouraged by by what I'm seeing of late. Yeah. Um- COVID uh, obviously disrupted uh, supply lines and we've got uh, Russia on the doorstep of the Ukraine and China's China. I was just wondering um, what you're talking about there is uh, at the same time EU, the uh, Commission, um, is making a huge push on if we're going to decarbonise, we need the metals and we don't want to be reliant on long supply chains um so i guess that goes to what you're saying there that that's slowly feeding into an acceptance that if we want to decarbonize the world uh, best if you can't have your own production 100 percent, you know and you know, that's the, the feedback that we're getting and i think that they've also had a, a bit of a change in in government um in recent times in sweden um which is a, a pushing things in a in, in a lot more positive fashion with regards to to mining i think they even had the the resources minister come out um in the last couple of months and basically say look we love mining so let's get our projects up and running okay uh, the uh, the metals at sala interesting space silver was up uh, near on 20 percent last year i think it's around 23 yep. four bucks an ounce zinc has been the the uh, a star performer as well so what do you make of the metals mix you've got there well, I think obviously with my background, background as a mining engineer and a mineral economist, I mean, I I look at these things perhaps a little bit differently to everybody else. But from you know, on just purely on the supply demand curve, you know, the it's actually quite scary the amount of metals that are sitting on things like the LME today, you know, including copper, lead, um, and zinc. So, you know, with with I guess you could say um, inventories down to you know less than less than four or five days. It's mm. phenomenal. You know, then you throw, I guess you throw a, uh, a major conflict like between Russia and the Ukraine into it. You you know you you throw COVID into that and the amount of expenditure going into uh, industrial projects around the world, even in Sweden, uh, with the greenification of the network to to or the electrification of the entire network to you know to get as many uh, battery vehicles into the mines and the and the the zero targets for carbonisation, etc. You know, it's it's we just need more metals, and mm. uh, to achieve that, we need more mines, um, and to achieve that, we need more exploration. So I think it's quite quite a simple calculation. And I think 
you know, being in the space that we are, um, from a, from our investors' perspective, it, it almost couldn't be better. Yeah, true. And just along those lines, we had uh, Goldman Sachs in recent days saying there's an absolute shortage of uh, metal molecules and uh, mark, uh, commodity space is one to watch as uh, 2022 unfolds. So. Mm. Okay. So you've got a lot on the go there. So let's just uh, pull it all together and give investors an idea of what they should be looking out for in coming months. Uh, look, I think it's you know it's it's our maiden resource that everyone's hanging out to mm-hmm. see. I mean, it's it's complicated for me to be able to give the bigger picture of what I can see under the surface just based upon uh, drilling intersections, even though they you know they're some of the best that I've ever seen. Um, but you know, our investors are waiting to see how the whole thing is going to stitch together and then what the upside is. And I, I think the the last announcement that I put out in the last two weeks um, really shows uh, on long section there yeah, the massive potential that we can see for sala um but you know in the next couple of months hopefully if we can get that um that maiden resource out um, investors are going to be able to you know back calculate what the you know i guess what the true value of alicanto is at this point in time but also to get a better picture of what they can see coming in the very near future yeah, absolutely. Okay. There we go, folks. Uh, an exciting story unfolding in Sweden for Alicanto. So we'll be watching with interest. So with that, Peter, thanks for your time today. Uh, you've given us great background on uh, not just the project, but a few other things going through there as well. So good luck with it all. And like everyone else, we'll be watching out for that maiden resource estimate soon. Yeah, good on you, Barry. Thanks for your time. Cheers. This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.